I confess that a guy fingered me once while I was on my period, and so he wouldn't find out. I sucked his fingers dry when we were done. Well, that's a very creative and pragmatic solution to the problem. 20 points to Gryffindor. This podcast is intended for those 18 and over. If that's not you, please check out scarletine.com and come back to this podcast when you are of age. Thank you for listening to the Bedpost Confessions podcast. Bedpost Confessions is an Austin, Texas-based monthly reading and performance series about sex, sensuality, and the steamy side of life. Between performers, we ask audience members to anonymously submit anything worthy of a confession, which is then read aloud by one of our producers. The performance you're about to hear by Devin Ticknell was recorded on April 18th, 2013. Here is Devin. I'd like to start this off with some words of wisdom from the immortal Cindy Lauper. Shebop. Hebop. A weebop. I bop. You bop. A they bop. This talk is about masturbation. Whacking it, jacking it, jerking it, working it, whatever you want to call it. It's a private pastime I suspect many in this room enjoy. Notice how I said private. Unless you're part of the Cox Out Club on Chat Roulette, or just very lax about clearing your browser history. <laughs> Masturbation habits are something we tend to keep to ourselves. In my multiple attempts at writing this piece, I've come to realize that since masturbation and its frequent partner in crime, pornography, are such private activities, it would be wrong to write this in sweeping generalizations. I don't know how he, she, they, or you bop. All I can tell you is how I bop. This is bed post confessions, after all. But through this confession, it is my hope that some of you will make a connection. I'm 27. This means I hit puberty right around the time AOL began their carpet bombing campaign on American mailboxes. Whereas previous generations snuck peeks at dog-eared playboys, I use Metacrawler to find nude photos of ginger spice and schemed ways around AOL's parental controls. By the time I hit high school, internet restrictions had crumbled like a Play-Doh levy in the face of a Category 5 hurricane of hardcore pornography. As a hormone-addled teenager with access to a magic box of limitless smut, albeit a magic box only accessible in the doorless, privacy-challenged office of my family's house, <laughs> parents gone meant porno on. 
Each day I'd return home from school at 2.15. While my dear mother didn't get home from work until 3. That meant a 45-minute buffet of 56K dial-up pornography. When I heard the sound of the automatic garage door, that was my signal to ejaculate, clear the temporary internet files, pull my pants up, and act like I'd been doing anything but. I soon developed a Pavlovian response to that garage door. So even when I myself had pressed the button, its sound would still make my heart flutter in a quick flurry of panic. After high school, I moved out of my parents and into a series of punk houses in Olympia, Washington, where I neither owned a computer nor lived with internet access. Every once... (laughs) Aww. Facebook didn't exist. You just checked MySpace in your email and you signed off. Every once in a blue moon, I'd purchase a magazine from a porn store, use it for a few weeks before throwing it away, and then return to the timeless classic of fantasizing about people that I knew who I might like to have sex with. It was only a few years later that I visited home and realized that while I'd been living my low-tech lifestyle, DSL and streaming video had combined forces to double-penetrate the gaping orifices of online pornography. I felt like Rip Van Winkle falling asleep next to a horse-drawn carriage and waking up in a world full of flying cars and high-speed internet porn. In 2008, I moved to Austin, enrolled in college, and acquired my first computer. After several years bumming around the country, crashing on couches, suddenly I had a private room, a locking door, and unlimited access to internet porn. And internet porn had gotten crazy while I was gone. (laughs) I've always been drawn more to the amateur and authentic side of smut than the processed silicone and peroxide of Southern California. And thanks to streaming video, real people all over the world were now uploading videos of themselves, sucking, fucking, stripping, squirting, and oh, so much more. (laughs) Now, I don't know about you, but this is how I use internet porn. Firefox, private mode. Dozens of tabs open. I move from one video to the next. ADD and overdrive. Fast fast forwarding through even 60 second clips. Opening 10 new tabs for every one I close. I can do this for hours. A quick jerk before bedtime ends up as bleary-eyed exhaustion at six in the morning. Because with internet porn, there are no limits. No last page of the magazine. No final scene of the DVD. No end of the road. Anything I can think of, any combination of nouns and adjectives, can be found in seconds. Busty plus teen, facial plus milf, redhead plus anal, British plus gangbang, 
Amateur plus blowjob. In a single session, I probably view over a hundred different girls. To date, I've probably seen enough unique naked girls to populate a mid-sized American city. (laughs) Fairly quickly, I started to question if this might be too much of a good thing. I was dating... I had girlfriends, I had casual sex, I worked, I went to school. I was not a lonely loser, orgasming myself into oblivion. But I became frustrated by how quickly, oh, I've got four hours before class, I'll get some work done, turned into me frantically tissuing jizz off myself. (laughs) Already late to class. I started wondering if exposing myself to an endlessly novel, but entirely artificial, procession of visual uh, stimulation while feeding my brain masturbatory endorphins was really a good idea. And while my habits weren't out of control, I certainly couldn't control them. No matter how many times I promised myself, no porn tonight, I'd find myself staring at the screen, pants down, dick in hand, the moment I got home. This became quite the conundrum. I could not get rid of my computer. I needed it for school, work, life, everything. But I really wanted to stop wasting so much time masturbating online. So I started quitting. I would generally make it about a month, then relapse for about another month or so before building up the willpower to quit again. That's when I started noticing the difference. When I wasn't using internet porn, I felt better, more confident, more productive, more outgoing, more successful with girls, just better. (laughs) But when I'd fall off the wagon and spend all afternoon jerking off in my stuffy apartment, my mood, my good mood would go in the garbage like so much crumpled Kleenex. My self-esteem dropped. My confidence wavered. Girls were considerably less receptive to my charms. And no matter how clearly I saw the benefits of staying away from porn, I could not prevent the relapses. Sooner or later, I'd open up X-Video and that was it. Off the wagon. In 2010, I was listening to a Savage Love podcast when I finally heard the question I'd been waiting for. Some guy in his 20s called and explained my exact situation. He could, quit for, he could quit porn for, at most, a month, and he'd feel great. But then he'd relapse and feel like shit. Dan's response was, you're a guy. It's natural to look at porn. If you're not losing your job, look at as much as you want. I was fucking furious. <laughs> he didn't even acknowledge that while porn wasn't ruining this guy's life, it was making him unhappy. If something in your sex life is making you unhappy... Isn't it worth working to change? Isn't that change worth considering? Around this same time, I started a sex blog called F-Bomb. I read sex-positive bloggers. I performed at Bedpost. I scoured the internet for weird and strange porn to write about. I ran a vintage porn film series, all while struggling with my private porn problem. And in all of the modern sex-positive literature I read, most of it written by women, I found nothing about this issue. Third-wave feminism had decreed that porn was good. 
Using porn was empowering, and opposing porn meant that you suffered from guilt. You were the problem, not the porn. Frustrated by this, last summer I decided to write something for Bedpost. I scribbled out a rough draft, then went online to see if I could find any research supporting my theories. I discovered a TED Talk called The Great Porn Experiment by Gary Wilson. I'm going to say this again, it's important. The Great Porn Experiment by Gary Wilson. Anything in this talk resonates with you, go home and watch this video. It's like what I'm saying, but with science. (laughs) Science, everybody! Godless heathens. Point for point, this video reiterated the theories I'd outlined far more eloquently and with actual scientific evidence backing them up. In the talk, Wilson mentioned a subreddit called NoFap, dedicated to quitting porn. I clicked over to the forum and read through old posts from members, Fapstronauts, as they call themselves, describing not only how I felt, but situations far worse. Inability to orgasm through sex. Unable to achieve erections with partners. Virgins so sexually frustrated, they deem themselves forever alone. It was a mostly male support group saying, we don't think porn is ethically wrong. We just don't like the effect it's having on our lives. And when we don't use it, holy fucking shit, we feel a lot better. The primary program on NoFap is the 90-day reset. 90 days without porn or masturbation aimed at resetting your brain chemicals and getting you off for good. While I didn't really agree with their strict no-masturbation ethos, I decided to play by the established rules and do the program. Of course, since I had a girlfriend, I was only completing what the forum deems easy mode, but (laughs) I did it. 90 days, July, August, September. Now, I'm going to go off the script for a minute. We all laughed at easy mode. But think about this. Like, I'm lucky enough to be competent, social, able to have partners, and this was hard for me. There's people that have never had what so many of you in this room take for granted, the ability to go talk to the same sex or the opposite sex to find partners, to find multiple partners. There are people that didn't have that, and they're doing this. They have an easy way out, and they're doing this. And that takes a fuck lot of strength. More than I think I have in myself. Okay, so now what? Am I up here preaching nofap as the answer? The one true God? The Lord of light? No, not at all. I think this community is doing a lot of good for people and have created a positive and supportive environment. But I don't think they've sufficiently tackled the idea of what to do after 90 days. A lot of them seem stuck on masturbation equals bad and aren't willing to discuss other options. And to be honest, I don't really have clear ideas as to what those other options might be. I think internet porn is the fast food of human sexuality. Overloading our taste buds and brains with fat and salt. It's artificially delicious, yet leaves me feeling sick and hollow. I believe that there are organic options on the menu. (laughs) Fantasy-driven masturbation. 
high-quality erotica. Plot-driven vintage porn consumed as a sit-down meal rather than an online buffet of endless empty nibbles. But it's a slippery slope. I frequently feel like a recovering alcoholic who would love to enjoy a beer with dinner, but doesn't want to risk a full-blown, whiskey-soaked relapse. Since finishing my 90 days, I've fallen off the wagon more than a few times. But thankfully, getting, on, getting back on track has been easier than ever. I was not raised with any religious restrictions on sexuality. I don't believe in censorship. I don't consider myself a sex addict, although I do believe they exist. And I don't think porn in and of itself is a bad thing. In fact, I know way more about golden age pornography than I probably should. But I do think that the internet has opened Pandora's box. The one hidden on the back shelf of Pandora's closet. And since masturbating to porn is something we've been taught to do privately, secretively, it's harder to admit or even understand when it's causing problems. So let's talk about it. Because after all, we all bop. Thank you very much. Devin Teeknell is a former sex columnist turned late night talk show host. When not cracking jokes and interviewing celebrity guests for his online show, TNM Tonight, Devin enjoys writing smut, reading science fiction, and embarrassing himself as a stand-up comic. For more info, visit tnmtonight.com. Bedpost Confessions is produced by myself, Mia Martina of the I Want Your Sex podcast at MiaOnTop.com, Sadie Smythe of That's What Sadie Said.com, Julie Gillis of JulieGillis.com, and Rosie Q of SayPrettyBird.blogspot.com. Podcast audio production by Ian Danskin at InnuendoStudios.com. You can find links to all of our websites and more information about Bedpost Confessions at BedpostConfessions.com. You can also confess with us at Bedpost Confessions on Facebook and Bedpost Confess on Twitter, where we tweet audience confessions. Chime in and add yours. Until next time, we'll leave you with a few other confessions from the audience. I confess my crush had me on such anticipation high. I came while listening to the guitar solo in November Rain. While at my desk at work. God, I wish I had that on my iPod right now to like play that, to bring it up. I confess, I have not had an ejaculate orgasm in 53 days. And I am as horny as I was as a teenager. I confess, while driving back from New Orleans with a sexy Israeli doctor, she turned to me and said, I'm wetter than a bayou. (laughs) After, After substantiating that claim for 30 minutes, we had no choice but to pull over and finish off in what turned out to be a strip mall church parking lot. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen.